And so if, you know, you say, well, I don't know, I can't, I can't read the scripture like this, or I can't do this, or I can't. But you have your testimony. And so he said to the disciples, you go tell what I did with you. And so Jesus presents a compelling heuristic to us. Ever the teacher, ever the teacher, uh, I teach math, engineering, whatever they tell me at Bishop Dunn Catholic School back in, in Dallas area. And uh, a heuristic is a practical way for solving a problem. So I tell my students, you got to figure out ways to solve your problems. And you need to use those and become expert at it. Well, the scripture that was read to us this morning presents the concept of what the cross is all about. With the fact that our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. Then it's quoted in the class this morning, not knowing that that was going to be the scripture that we were going to springboard from. And so, if you think about that, how far is the east from the west? What does that set up in your mind when you think about, well, let's start with problems. We all, we, can we all agree that we, there are a few problems out there in the world? Uh, it, politics, uh, world, terrorism, uh, just challenge everywhere on every hand. We got a few problems, don't we? Well, let's move it a little closer. Do we have problems in our own lives? Probably so, if you're like me. And then let's even get a little bit more personal and think about sin, our own struggle, our own imperfection. Well, I'll bet you've got the same struggle that I have. And some of you I know closely, and some of you I don't. I've just met. But the scripture describes that we all struggle with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. So I'm going to guess we all struggle with those here. And as a result of that, we're all a one family. We all have the same need. And so the cross presents to us a very compelling place from which to look. And so let's consider for a few moments how that plays out and what God really did for us. We'll look at it from the standpoint of what we can learn from Scripture. Then I'll point out a few incidences from my own life, and we'll just look to make the application for that and use that as a heuristic to compel us to give our lives and everything we have back to Christ. Let's start by a very familiar story. Well, if you, as you can see in the, in the picture here, you've got this huge giant and this small lad who's got a sling and some stones. And we know the story of David as told from 1 Samuel. So this is a before this, before the battle photo, maybe, perhaps. What, what do you think an after the battle photo would look like? 
think David told that to his young kiddos when they were little? And, and do you think he said, well, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what God did one day. And maybe he preceded that by some of his other exploits where he saw God do amazing, phenomenal things. As far as the east is from the west, were they different? So I'm going to put up a few slides that show scenes from the New Testament time. And we'll go through them really quickly, and we'll just point out what they are. And I want you to think about before and after. And if you were in that situation, and if that were a problem that you had, and let's see what we might conclude. Here we have Jesus turning water into wine. Think about the events of that day, especially the people who knew that they just filled jars with water. And when they poured it out, it was wine? How can this be? How does this happen? This is amazing. And a woman, the Samaritan woman, who Jesus talks to, and he knows everything about us, about her. Oh, yeah, okay, well, let's just go ahead and go there. He knows everything about us. And that's a good thing. And it changes her life forever. And what about the nobleman's son? And so in the Catholic Mass, there is a phrase that says, Lord, I am not worthy to come under your roof. Only say the word and your servant will be healed. I use this picture when I, I get a chance to speak to the seniors at every retreat. They invite me, the, the department chair at, at our school where I teach, he invites me. He doesn't review my speech. I get to say whatever I want. Hmm, you might be surprised at that in a Catholic school. In fact, when I interviewed for the job, I sat across the aisle from the superintendent of schools of the Diocese of Dallas, and I said, well, now you know. I'm an elder, Church of Christ, and I wasn't quite that arrogant. I, was, I, wasn't near, I wasn't nearly that arrogant, but I wanted her to know who I was. I said, I'm, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not a Catholic. She looked at me. She said, Mr. Gentry, I just have one question. I want to know how you're going to teach Jesus Christ to our students. And I had just been put in my place. Today, when I teach... I remember her challenge. When I pray with the students in class before each lesson, I remember that she understood something and that we can learn from each other. And so, this woman was changed by that event. This man was changed by that event. And the next scene, you can see a healing 
a great miraculous healing occurs. Think about the before and the after. In the next scene, you see the feeding of the 5,000. An impossible situation. How are we going to solve this problem? But, but then are your, my problems difficult, seemingly impossible, intractable? And what about the woman caught in adultery? He who was out is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Mm. Mm. Gets very personal. But look at the grace that Jesus offered. Imagine how she felt. Have you ever been forgiven of... Have you ever felt grace that's so compelling that it just just changes everything? Undeserved, kindness, unmerited. And I can especially identify with this one. Because I've never, I could never, I could never qualify to be an AWACS officer because I can't see 2020. Now, I'm a decent driver, so you're, gonna, you're safe on the road. You don't have to worry. I'm, I, I, I get close to that, but I have this nystagmus. And my eyes move. And when I get really excited, they really move. And so early on when I grew up and preached, I couldn't write my notes out because I would get to point number three, and I was, I was so excited, I couldn't see the notes. I couldn't read it, so, they, so I had to memorize. So I had to develop another method. God provided. He, there was no excuse. I can't use that as an excuse. For, well, Lord, you know I can't see the notes. <laughs> what, else, what other facilities did I give you? So after turning the water into wine, after feeding the 5,000, after healing the nobleman's son, after sending a woman away with good news, really good news, Jesus tells a parable. And he spoke in parables, a heuristic, a method for solving problems. And he says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd puts his life in harm's way for the sheep. Whoa. Well, we can see then what that looks like at that point. It makes sense. If he had said that earlier, maybe, I don't know. But now we can see, oh, that, oh, I, I see what being a good shepherd means. You do some pretty powerful stuff. And if you were a sheep who had been saved from an attack by a lion, you'd say, oh, yes, he does some very powerful stuff. Well, what does that look like for us? What does that look like for me? What does that look like for you? What does it mean? We're invited to be one of the flock of the good shepherd. And this, what does that look like? Well, I want to just share a few incidents of what it looks like for me. This on the far left, you can see my high school days, back when I used to shoot the three. And, I, and, I, uh, and when I shared this with our kids at the retreat, I said 0% body fat. Uh, a little bit more than 0% body flat now. A little, little bit. Back when, when, when Dennis gave me the honor of being his best man, I, I, I was pretty close to that then. But now, you know, 
bodily exercises profiteth little. Anyway, no. But God allowed me to do the thing that I love, and I, I use that as an opportunity to serve him. There were a couple of th other things on that slide that I will just mention briefly. One of them was a calculator, a Texas instrument calculator. And I still have that calculator. It doesn't work, but I still have it. It was a calculator that my dad provided for me on the occasion of my entrance into college. I was a math and engineering major, went home one day after school. I'd been recruited heavily by a local college, and they said, uh, okay, great, and I figured out that I'd need a scientific calculator. I told dad I needed a scientific calculator. He brought me an adding machine. It's this big, furniture size, you know, and I cried. I cried. I said, dad, I need a scientific calculator. Within the next day, he took me to Montgomery Ward, and we opened up a credit account with money he didn't have, and I got a scientific calculator. Now, scientific calculator leads to this next slide. For those of you who, who know the colors, at least the masters in the, the, the orange is engineering, the yellow is science, since there's probably some science graduates here in the room. But, but for me, night turned to day. God did, he did, amazing, did something amazing for me. The other thing, the other picture on this slide was a picture of a, a volt ohm meter. One of the things that God, uh, the, one of the things that dad did was see the television repairman. And so during my last year in high school, I get a call at the house and they said, um, this is, uh, tell me their name. And I recognize the name of the couple. And it's a bit, couple, dad, was just, he was always out studying with someone, trying to strike up a Bible conversation. He would start talking about the weather and end up with Paul um, and Acts. You know, that just, he had no other agenda. Um, that's just who he was. And so they call and they say, our television is broke. Can, can your da dad's gone, he's not here, I'm not sure. What? And they just, they just kept on and on and on. Well, you're his son, can't you fix it? Well, see, then they invoked someone else. Because for my life, for me, being on mission has nothing to do with me but it has to do with who God is. So they had stepped out of the issue of being Joe, and I thought about my dad's reputation in the community and what we could do for God. And so I was compelled. He had left his toolbox in the, at the house, his uh, repair kit. I said, I'll be right over. Got the toolbox, walked in the house like I was gentry technician service, set it down in the, remember, in the middle of the floor, had no clue what was wrong with the television or if I could fix it. Walked behind the set, walked behind, and immediately I could see that it was a mechanical and not electrical problem. God had given the victory. God had given it, put, the, put it back together. The folks exclaimed, oh, I know you can fix it. And I gave the glory to God. But I remembered that. I was out on a limb. I lived my life out on a limb, not on my own behalf, but for God's. And God gives me the wife of my youth, my middle age, 
in every age that he gives us. And she has been a blessing to me all the days of my life. She is, I call, the necessary complement of my own one-sidedness. Necessary complement of my own one-sidedness. And what a beautiful compliment she is to me. This picture is taken from Pergamon, where Dennis said, you got to go to Pergamon. So we were there, and it was just above the ruins um, where you could see down into a beautiful valley where the seven churches of Revelation are, were. I'm writing a book there. I've been writing a book about Revelation for the last 20 years, 30 years. I don't know how long. It's my favorite book of the Bible. Uh, Proverbs running a close second. And so there we are trying to get a sense of what, what, did, what was it like? What, what must it have been like for that to be a place where it was called the throne of Satan? And so over the years, God has given us an opportunity to see some places and do some things. So that's where we were. This is the family now. My son and his two children. My daughter's holding one of their grandchildren. And so God has blessed us over the years to grow. And that was another blessing of his. Something that I did not expect or did not know. Something that he gave us. And at work. Bill and I work. We met Debbie through work. He and, he and Debbie and I and their kids became fast friends at a time in New Jersey when we, we needed each other. We needed the bond of brotherhood badly. And then we discovered the connection with the Matthews family. And what's so cool about that is it just goes on and on and on. One quick story about work. When I was, uh, one of our companies had bought another company. And that company was on the West Coast. And so we had to bring the two groups together to learn to work together. And that wasn't easy much like some of the problems we face trying to get people to work together. And so we had a meeting, a big meeting, where the departments came together, and I proposed that, guys, this problem is not an academic problem. It's not a mental faculty problem. We haven't learned to get along with each other together. And I presented that information in, in a meeting, and. It was like, well, this isn't, this isn't um, business skill stuff, Joe. You're talking, ooh, you're talking about stuff that we don't really discuss at business corporate meetings. And several people were, uh, no one really gave me any feedback on how well it was received for initially. But in the few weeks that followed that, my boss would call me and he would say, okay, Joe, you said we need to develop trust with each other and build this. And he would call me faithfully to make sure that we were communicating well. And to get a sense of how far it went, later on I was promoted uh, to director 
And a different boss brought all the directors into a meeting. And we were sitting at a, at, a, at a restaurant, and he was going around the room introducing each one of them. And so he said, you know, and Sally, she, she's got the greatest mind. She, in the last month, her profits have gone from this to this. And uh, Jim, and he just accolade after accolade of their business skill and ability. And he saved me for last. And he said, Joe, Joe's a peacemaker. <laughs> and I was ashamed of myself later. I was ashamed of myself because Jesus says, blessed, blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God. You see, my name was not so much that I cornered the market for the company, but I brought people who were fighting each other together. And that was what God did. That was what God did. And so, what does it mean to be on mission with God? It means to be never lost from his sight. As I mentioned to you, uh, we, my wife and I had the opportunity to go travel, and here's a shot from Patmos. When we went to see the seven churches, we weren't able to see the island of Patmos, and so the last stop in the leg in the journey, we weren't able to finish in the research that I was doing for the book. And so this past summer, she graciously funded from her uh, teacher salary uh, a trip for us. And this is, likely, this is likely the shot John might have seen out of the cave, which they think is where he wrote the book. And so, of course, he was there during the time of the Emperor Domitian, and uh, it was a hard time. He wasn't there under good circumstances. He had been banished because of his belief his willingness to go on mission for God. Well, the only way you can get to Patmos is by boat. This is probably not the kind of boat that uh, John took, but it's a logistical nightmare nonetheless. And we were there, we got the wine and dine. Well, we're not really much wine drinkers. Our idea of good wine is juice, but we had good fare in uh, Patmos and we enjoyed that. We, we were there in the off season, so it was very nice. But on the place where John is thought to have written a book, they, they've uh, created a church and a chapel there now. So we got a chance to visit that. And there you see my wife attending. It's, uh, we were headed to the chapel to view, but we wanted to be there. My dream was to be there on the Lord's Day. And this was the Lord's Day, Sunday morning, Patmos as the sun was coming up cab driver was taking us back to that church and on that day instead of just one person walking the crowd was spilled out on the steps you could, we couldn't go in and we wanted to be in the spirit on the Lord's day as John might have been And that was one, after two hours trying to understand a little bit of the Greek and what they were saying, a two-hour sermon, uh, how much time do I have left? Okay. And so we finished Patmos. It was a wonderful time. And we had one more day left in Athens. I noticed that you've got two mission efforts. Support the efforts in Athens. We were there, and we had one more day left. We had to visit Corinth. 
But we needed to make one more stop at the National Museum in Athens, and uh, then we we're going to head our way. But we could not have expected what was going to happen. We took the subway into town, and just as we were getting off on our last stop, we felt a crowd push, and this guy walks in front of me, it blocks the doors, pushes back against me, and the purse that you see there uh, in my wife's hand, he steals her cell phone, and he gets into my wallet, and we're accosted in the subway in Athens. Somehow, I didn't, I didn't see it coming. I, didn't, I had no sense of what was happening. And, and finally, I just said, hey, guy, we got to get off. You know, and so we I kind of softly move him to the side. We walk off, and these women rush to us and say, hey, they took something from you. Well, they take my wife's cell phone, and they stole euros from my pocket. And we're just, we're just shaking. We're shattered. And we make our way up to the platform, out from the subway, and it, the rain's pouring down. And, and people's, this guy offers us an umbrella, and this guy, and we're just thinking, uh, man, we're, this is, this is just bad. But somehow, we make our way to the museum, and we're lost, and we're disoriented. We get to the museum, and we get back to the hotel on the same subway, mind you. But we say, man, should we just go home? Should we just pack up and leave and, and just... We're supposed to go to Corinth next day, to the ancient city of Corinth. But we stay, and we go to the ancient city of Corinth, and we see the, Corinth, the cathedral of Corinth where a tablet is affixed to it that shows the apostles from the time Apostle Paul was there to the current day. And there's another tablet on the other wall, and it simply says, in Greek, Dennis and I were trying to translate it all last night because it's all in capitals. And it, but it's from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. And it ends in the love chapter, but it begins, brothers, you are the body of Christ. And so, again, God shows that if we were on mission with him, we're never lost from his sight. Our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west, and we're invited to be a part of that great flock. I invite you now as we close out our time together. Thank you.